0: Al Bayan Radio presents the following program from al Azhar, Bilma, presented by Sheikh Khalid Muhammad In the name of Allah, uh, the Most Gracious, the Most Merciful, and the peace and blessings of Allah be upon His Messenger and His family and companions. O Lord, make me clear in my and make my and make my tongue a means of pleasing You. Welcome back, brothers, to the first lesson after Ramadan. We ask Allah, the Almighty, to accept our Ramadan, our actions, and we ask Allah, the Almighty, to allow us to say uh, many Ramadans after this year. Uh, Alhamdulillah, it's good to be back with our Seerah series, studying the biography, the Seerah of uh, the greatest man to ever walk on the face of this earth. Insha'Allah, today, brothers, we'll get straight into it. After ending last lesson with uh, the story of the elephant, and alhamdulillah, going into that in a bit of detail, we now find ourselves with a quick uh, lesson. Insha'Allah, today's lesson will be a bit short. Uh, We just... Leading or things that were leading up to the birth of the Prophet. And as I mentioned in the first lesson that I gave regarding this Seerah series, or in this Seerah series, we said Seerah is something, brothers, that can be taught for a very long time and Seerah is something that can be summarized in a very short series. So we said we're going to try to stand midway uh, regarding this and inshallah ta'ala not go into too much detail, but at the same time, inshallah, take some benefit. Uh, approaching the Prophet's birth brothers, we see that his father Abdullah. So, obviously, that's something that every uh, person should know. Just on a side point from a fiqh understanding or an understanding of the questions of the grave, some of the ulama they were asked, What is it or what is needed to know uh, regarding the question of the grave? Who was your messenger? Who was the man that was sent to you? Is it enough to know his name or do you need to know his lineage? Many of the ulama they said, It is enough to know his name. But being the Prophet Wasallam, we obviously want to know his father's name and a bit, of his, a bit about his lineage and the likes. For his father's name was Abdullah, uh, which obviously we've already mentioned before. For after the Prophet's birth, we see that his father Abdullah got married at approximately the age, uh, or sorry, approaching the Prophet's birth. His father Abdullah got married approximately at the age of 25 to his mother Aminah. His father Abdullah and his mother Aminah. And before that, you see in some of the texts of Seerah, some of the books of Seerah, when they write about this, subhanAllah, they mention certain phrases like, his father wanted to marry him off. yani uh, Abdul Muttalib was obviously the grandfather of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu الله- and the father of Abdullah. So now Abdullah is going to get married or wants to get married or he's ready for marriage. So you see that in some of the texts of the seerah, it mentions his father, meaning Abdul Muttalib, wanted to marry him off or is ready to marry him off. His father wanted to marry him off. Just that, brothers wallahi is very important for us to take a lesson from. Whoever was there yesterday at the Kitab al-Tawheed in Auburn, I mentioned straight after Isha' with a short reminder. Every single person that has a child should take this into consideration. We were mentioning yesterday that yes, it's true that a man does not need anyone's permission to get married. Meaning here, he does not need a guardian. If he wants to get married, he doesn't need someone to sit there marrying him off in the sense that I give you my son in marriage to one, two, three. You don't need that. A lady, she needs this. And every lady needs that guardian. Every lady needs a wali. To the extent the Prophet wasallam he says, لا نكاح إلا There is no nikah except with a wali. And he says, whichever lady gets married without a wali, then her marriage is invalid. And he says that the Sultan, put it like this, the head, the leader, if you'd like to say, is the wali. Of the one that has no wali. So even to the extent, brothers, that if it comes down to it, and the girl's father isn't there, the girl's brother isn't there, the girl's son isn't there, she's got no one, literally. Or for example, it's a river, sister, even she needs a wali. for they need the guardians. As for the man, he does not need a guardian, even though it's of course advised, it's of course advised to seek uh, his parents' consultation, to get their comments, to get their advice and the likes. But the point is, you still see As I said, it's been written, his father wanted to marry him off. And this is very important. One, that brothers, this is a duty upon you. This is an obligation upon you to take care of your children and to find them suitable, compatible spouses, especially, especially if you have a daughter and if you have daughters. This is where you, my brother, need to go over and above and beyond to go and find a righteous man for your wife, for your daughter. To go and find a righteous spouse and a compatible partner for your daughter. Especially, especially, because the home is best for them. For so if they're really doing what Allah Azza wa Jal told them and instructed them to do, بيوتكون, And stay in your homes, and stay in your houses. For where's the father in this now? If he's not going to go out and search and look for a spouse for his daughter, then where is he going to be looking? Uh, apps like Tinder, and things like this, that's the reality of the matter, that if you leave them with no guidance, if you leave them looking for themselves, my brothers, it's highly likely that they're going to be looking in the wrong places. And I'm specifying the daughters here, but even for those who have sons in general, go out and ask around. Ask the brothers, ask the mashayikh, ask whoever you can, and try your best to set your children up with suitable, righteous partners. And the Prophet ﷺ, grandfather Abdul Muttalib, they say that he wanted to marry him off. That means he went out. He started searching, asking, looking, thinking about it, pondering, contemplating. Why? Because he cared for his child. He cared for his child. The Prophet ﷺ, he says, kullukum ra'a wa kullukum masulun an ra'iyatihi. All of you are responsible. Or All of you are shepherds and all of you are responsible. All of you will be questioned about their flock. And I've mentioned this before, subhanallah, a shepherd in the wilderness and the likes, what happens when he goes out with his flock of sheep or with his flock of whatever it is, what does he do? He guides them. He leads, he leads them to whatever he wants. To drink, takes them to drink. To uh, 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 graze, takes them to graze. To do whatever. For likewise, my brother, you are the head of the house. You are the head of the house. You are the authority. For it's upon you with this authority comes a great, great, great responseer Ability And secondly, the second point I wanted to make likewise is brothers and also sisters, take your parents' advice. Don't think that, wallah, I know it all and they know nothing. They're still living in the old days and things like this, wallahi. And ask any sheikh and ask any scholar and ask anyone who deals with these kind of matters. And you'll see that on a weekly base, on a weekly base. And if, subhanallah, they were going to open the door to daily arbitrations and counseling sessions and the likes, you'll see on a daily base, people are calling. Young people, young couples getting divorced over the silliest of things. But if you track back and you go back a few steps, you'll speak to the dad of that girl, for example, or the dad of that boy, for example, and they'll say, Wallah, I told them, I advised them, everyone told them, you're not going to be compatible with one another. Your mindsets differ. But a lot of the time you see that the child... Whether he's arrogant, whether he's just, you know, not paying attention, he's heedless. Whatever it is, he's naive, he's stubborn, or she is. For they say, no, nah we're like a mowro. We don't take anyone's advice. It's very important, my brothers, that you do this istishara. Even some ulama, they said it's the sunnah to do the istishara and ask. And one, two, three people who you know, etc. Some of the ulama, they said the sunnah is to do this before the istishara. Before the istishara. If I take that into consideration, inshallah ta'ala, especially those two points. And I specify the first to the head, the heads of the house. And also, obviously, the mother also has a role here. And the father should get the mother involved here as well. You know, the husband should get, should get the wife involved in regards to what she thinks. Not as some men, they also do. And they want to take everything by the reins themselves. And then they don't want to get anything, any advice, any commentary, any whatever from the spouse or the mother as well. She's got to say too, even though ultimately, of course, it goes back to the, to the father. And there was a topic, subhanallah, which always gets brought up as well. And that is the marriage of a girl without a wali. And I think, I don't know if we've discussed this before here, but the point is to summarize it all in a nutshell. And I have a much longer lesson with a lot of, lot of detailed evidences regarding it, to summarize that all my brothers, a lady's marriage without a wali is invalid. A lady's marriage without a wali is invalid. If I just keep that into, or can take that into consideration as well. So his father Abdullah was known to be someone who was a very handsome man, a very handsome man with a strong build and complexion and the like. He married Amina, and Amina came from a very, very noble family. Look, subhanAllah, what you know, some of the ulama they said her father was actually the chief of a tribe by the name of Banu Zuhra. And it's mentioned about her, she was Afdullah, Afdal Umra'atin, fi Qurayshin, nasaban wa Nasaban wa mawdi'ah. She is the most noble and the best lady from Quraysh, both from the dad's side, lineage wise, and from the mother's side. And this is important here, brothers. Uh, the majority of scholars they said compatibility in marriage compatibility in marriage is mainly referring to the religiosity and the religion. You know, the Prophet ﷺ, he says that a lady is married for four. And we've all heard this narration, insha'Allah. But then at the end, when he mentions one of these four being the religion, he says, bi din taribat yadak. Marry the one who is religiously devoted. May your hands uh, be يعني, rubbed in dust. Meaning, may you prosper. So here we should always look there at compatibility. Some of the ulama they said, they said, regarding, yani, let's say now someone of a high class, a higher economical or socio-economical class, someone who comes from a family, these people, they spend maybe $5,000 a week and it's normal from them. Is it advisable that she goes and marries someone, for example, who's barely even making a $1,000? Some of the ulama they spoke about this at length and in detail. And they said, as long as religiously they're, Compatible, they're both on a similar level and the likes uh, We're not talking about if it's allowed, of course it's allowed And we look at the examples in the Prophet wasallam's lifetime Some of the highest uh, most noble uh, uh, people from a tribe And the most noble of tribes married some of those who were nowhere neither There's no problem with that, that's not the topic But the topic once again I wanted to myself to pinpoint here Is take the advice of those who've been there and done that And take the advice of those who have experience and take the advice of those who know. And those who can see you, especially your parents. And especially those who live with you. Because you see, sometimes a a, a girl wants to get married. A sister wants to get married. So she comes, she says, my dad's stopping me from getting married, for example. He doesn't want me to get married to this guy. Taib, ask why. Before she even knows the reason her dad put forward... She already has this grudge against her, her dad who raised her, who clothed her, who fed her, who worked day and night just to support her and now all of a sudden she thinks that she hit 18, 19 years old for example and her dad doesn't love her anymore. He wants to go throw her to whoever or he wants to prevent her and doesn't want what's best for her. This isn't the way it works and this isn't how it is. This isn't how it is. For the point is that sometimes your parents, my brothers or my sisters, even for my brothers, sometimes your parents, they will see something from you. And they know you inside out. So they see that when you come to them with this sister, or when you come to them with this brother, for example, they know that you guys can't connect. You guys aren't matching. You guys aren't going to click. It's not going to work. It's going to be a lot of problems between you two. So don't be naive here. Contemplate, think about it, ponder upon it Ask why, understand where they're coming from Wallahi, I really wanted to highlight that part But once again, is it okay for someone Who for example is up there regarding their lineage Regarding their whatever it is To marry someone who's not like that Of course it's okay And it's allowed Islamically Is it recommended? Some of them are sheikh, They said this is circumstantial You need to look at everybody You know, it's circumstantial Everyone has their own, uh, 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 you know, situation Situation but when it comes to religiosity, they should be very compatible here. Not you go, a sister, for example, she's in the mosque, alhamdulillah, weekly attending lessons, five prayers on time, her sunnah prayers, her fasting, etc. And then she wants to go marry, she falls in love with a guy, for example, yani, quote unquote, just for those who can't see me, yani in love with a guy, for example, who doesn't even pray and he doesn't even fast and he's an enemy to the religion of Allah Azza wa Jal, for example. Uh, She goes and she wants to marry him. It's not compatible here. And it's not advised, obviously, to marry someone like that. And let alone the argument or the discussion or the difference of opinion about the one who doesn't pray and whether he's even a Muslim or not. For Wallah, my brothers, I can see some of us at the age where we are fathers... Uh, or we're going to be fathers, inshaAllah, or we're way past that level or that stage or that age, but you still and you always have a responsibility. You know, today I gave the khutbah. I don't want to go on a rant, subhanAllah, it's a seerah. But anyway, I just wanted to mention, Today I gave a khutbah. And the khutbah was about the companions. And I mentioned, subhanAllah, how some parents, parents, They will happily encourage their child to take the likes of Ronaldo and Messi and this guy and that guy and Bollywood and Hollywood and I don't know what as superstars. Wallah, as you know, the lanterns and the beacons of the ummah and the world. They will happily go out and spend hundreds of dollars on tickets, on jerseys, on I don't know what. And get the names printed and even signed by these so-called superstars or sports stars. And then when you ask them about a single companion from the greatest of companions like the four khulafa and the likes, they're heedless. They're heedless or we're heedless ourselves, subhanallah. For you see this 10-year-old kid, this 11-year-old kid, he's walking around printed Ronaldo on the back. For example, brothers, we've said this so many times. These individuals, they're not Muslims. Don't train your kids. Don't raise your kids to sit there idolizing these people. And then when it comes to the prophets and messengers, they don't even know anything about their lives. Wallah, some people, brothers, will take their kids hours away to go watch a UFC match, but take them to a local masjid to listen to the seerah. Wallahi, it's very sad. It's very sad. And this is why I'm trying to specify the brothers and the heads, the fathers the heads of the household. It's upon you to facilitate and make the household an Islamic household. Don't sit there raising the kid that wallah, you know, these guys are, they're like, you know, the Avengers, for example, they're, you know, the be or, or end or love them, respect them, dress like them, wear them, try to be like them. And every single one of them, for example, is a kafir. You're sitting there training your kid to idolize these figures. And these people, so that when they hit 17, 18, 19, 20, and later years, when it comes to learning about the companions, then you go running to the Sheikh. My son isn't listening. He's not in the masjid. He's not coming to lessons. My brother, look what you did. You trained him for that many years on that. How do you expect him just to do a 180 and come with you to the masjid? and one, two, three. 2 so be very careful my brothers ibn ashaq he says fa kana about the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a pure beautiful lineage he says fa kana an sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ausata qaumihi nasaba wa a'zamahum sharafan min qibali abeehi wa ummi he says the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the best of his people in lineage and the greatest of them in honor from both his father and his mother's side. So Abdullah and Amina or married Amina and he consummated the marriage in Makkah. And there's a false narration which is attributed and be very careful of these kind of things, brothers, especially when they're spat this poison by Orientalists and those today who try to put doubt into the Muslims' minds and stuff like this, be very careful. And that's why a series which has just begun, you know, downstairs on al Bayan Radio with uh, Sheikh Arshad, may Allah Azza wa Jal bless him, and Sheikh Nidal, may Allah bless him also, regarding these doubts that these orientalists try to spit and put out in the communities and the likes about Islam. We're living in a, a day and age and we're living in a place you need to be very careful. And this is what I've said many times about studying in universities and the likes, especially when it comes to degrees like philosophy and psychology and things like this, be very, very, very careful because you're playing with fire here. You're playing with your religion, honestly. We've been there, done that, and I've seen it with my very own eyes, subhanallah. Wallahi, it is so easy there to fall into kufr and shirk and shubuhat, misconceptions, doubts, etc., so be very careful of these. And if you do ever have a doubt, my brother, if you do ever have a doubt, a satanic whisper and the likes, ensure and make sure that you go and get it answered. You go and get it resolved, this problem, by and from the correct sources. Because if you don't, and you continue playing on it and thinking about it and the likes, you're going to end up in a very, very dangerous position. For so there is a false report that has been attributed to the father of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, meaning to Abdullah, where it states that there was a lady, a lady who passed by Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib, and she wanted to fornicate with him. She wanted to have zina with him, and it was because apparently she had seen a shining light that was coming out yani of his face and was spreading. So when he married Amina, obviously he didn't do this. So when he married Amina and consummated the marriage, and we just said now, he got married at 25 years old, and he consummated the marriage in Mecca. This is what has been attributed. And it's not true. It's false. But just to raise awareness about this, so that if anybody was to hear it, or if anybody has heard it, they understand that it's not true. So she says, or it's mentioned, sorry, that when he consummated the marriage with his wife, the mother of the Prophet wasallam, Amina, that the light went away. So then, when the light went away, he went back to this lady that had originally asked him to fornicate with her, and he pretty much said, يعني, "If she still wants to," but she said no because after he married Amina and then consummated, the light went away. So the point is that this, this is a false narration attributed and a lie against the father of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi And we've previously mentioned, my brothers, that both the parents of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they were not Muslim, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong about that. Some people, they get emotional and they act like, no way, I can't accept that. The Prophet's parents weren't, I can't accept that. For they start to reject narrations or twist and distort narrations, even though some great ulama have said opposite. But the point is, it's clear from the narrations that this fact is true. And there's nothing wrong, and we've said before, even the father of Ibrahim, Ibrahim alayhi salam, wasn't a Muslim. We just read the verses today. We just read the verses in Isha, subhanAllah. The son and the wife of Nuh, the wife of Lut, it's not a problem and it's not like Ayyb. It does not affect the actual Prophet himself that some of his family members did not accept Islam. Tabbat yada Abi Lahab watab. Go back to the tafsir of the verse and the uncle of Abu Lahab, had so long to accept Islam. When this verse came down, he had a long life ahead of him, subhanAllah. Many years he still was alive. And Allah Azza wa Jal is pretty much telling us that he's going to be in the hellfire. For if he wanted to prove that Islam was wrong, some of the ulama they said he could have said, لا إله إلا الله, what do you mean? I'm saying I'm a Muslim. And بَلَاء يَعْنِي The Quran, if you'd like to say, but look how Allah guides whoever he wants, and Allah misguides whoever he wants. For the point is that, look at the uncle of the Prophet wasallam, and he died as a non-Muslim. And also the other uncle, which we know as well. For the point I'm trying to say here, is that they lied about the family of the Prophet Sallallahu They lied about the Prophet ﷺ himself. They lied about the Prophets and the messengers. They lied about the wives of the Prophet. ﷺ. Just look to today. You still get some filthy corrupt individuals claiming our pure mother, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the mother of the believers of having committed zina wal billah. And inshallah we're gonna get that. That was a major point in the prophet sallallahu alaihi life known as hadithatul uh, uh, ifk the great slander yani and inshallah ta'ala we'll be discussing that in a bit of, a bit of detail. for the point i'm trying to say here brothers is they lied about all of these great individuals then of course they're going to be lying about you as well you as well don't be surprised my brother if you hear something about yourself about yourself ah uh, that is not true that's a lie or oh, that is true but it's got a thousand things added to it or a thousand things subtracted to it now some people they think, well, he lied about me, and it's the, like it's the end of the world, and they're gonna die or something. You know what? You, he lied about you, and what? Is it true? If it's not true, why do you care so much? They're just giving you their rewards. They're just preparing to give you their rewards. But the greatest people on the face of this earth were lied about, were slandered. Like even Allah Azza wa they lie about him, and they say he took a son, as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions in a hadith Qudsi. in a hadith. Qudsi. So the next time يعني, someone lies about you Disrespects you and the likes Don't be surprised And take a lesson from the greatest men The prophets and, and uh, the messengers So as for the death of the Prophet Muhammad's father Abdullah It was mentioned that he died at 25 years of age And Al-Waqidi He mentions Hadha huwa Hadha huwa This is يعني, the most authentic of statements Now he died at 25 and he got married at 25 and he consummated the marriage in Mecca we said for the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam according to the most correct opinion and according to the majority of scholars he was actually still in the womb of his mother his mother amina was still pregnant with him when the prophet's father abdullah passed away and it was mentioned that he went out to asham with a caravan. A caravan, brothers, not right here. You know, we got a motor and the caravan and one, two, three. Of course not, Ya'ni. They didn't used to have these kind of things. A caravan, ya'ni, a group with their beasts and one, two, three. They went out with a caravan from Quraysh for business. So when they finished and they left and they were passing back Al Madina to go to Mecca, Abdullah was sick, the father of the Prophet. ﷺ. So he said, I'm going to stay behind at one of his uncles from the mother's side, Yani, house from Banu Adi ibn Najjar. So he stayed about a month. Until his companions who had been traveling with him. When they got back and they told his father Abdul Muttalib what happened. His father Abdul Muttalib eventually sent his older brother Abdullah. Abdullah's older brother, his oldest son. Abdul Muttalib's oldest son. Abdul Muttalib sent his oldest son Al-Harith which is Abdullah. uh, His his brother, his oldest brother. He sent him to go check up on him. Now when he sent him to go check up up on him brothers. When Al-Harith arrived he found him to have died and been uh, buried there. Uh, in, in a man يعني, from the actual tribe so when Al-Harith had gone back and informed them his father Abdul Muttalib and his brothers and sisters grieved heavily and this is it brothers this is what I mean by your parents love you your brothers and their sisters and your sisters despite yeah you might have arguments with them yeah you might have uh, misunderstandings with them and be in a bit of strife but deep down they love you and they care about you and this is subhanAllah shown from amongst the kafar and obviously amongst the Muslims as well. So they grieved heavily. And another point I wanted to mention, my brothers, also is look, subhanAllah, how he sent Al Harif, the oldest brother, to go and check up. And this is the way we should train, yani we should train our children likewise to have that love between one another, to have that respect between one another. Train your children like that. Allow your children to understand. That one of the greatest blessings in this dunya is family and his brotherhood. And train them to love one another, to care for one another, to check up on one another. When you give one, give the other one. You know, this is actually a point of fiqh that a lot of people don't know. That if you give one child something, if it's without a legitimate reason that you're giving him, like, for example, he got married or you're helping him with the mahar, or for example, uh, his sickness and things like this, if just generally you give one child something, you should also give the other child. And there's rulings pertaining to that, boys, girls, etc. And it's not the time now. The point is, look, subhanAllah, at some of the ulama when they commentated or commented on these narrations that imply that, that when you give one, give the other one as well. They said, so it does not cause hatred and grudges amongst one another. And likewise, so that one child doesn't start thinking bad about you, the parent, that you're favoring one other child and the likes. And this subhanAllah, you see it today. You see it today. And a lot of problems happen because of these kind of things. And a lot of problems happen between brothers and sisters, yani biologically by blood. You see, they're having problems over the smallest of things. And then when you trace it back once again to their household when they were younger, when they were growing up and the likes, you see that the parents didn't place, didn't place. Proper, proper, uh, and sufficient. uh, uh, Yani stress on this point about loving one another, being there for one another, etc. So when his father died, he was obviously yani an orphan. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What's an orphan, Islamically, brothers? An orphan, Islamically. But what is? No father. What about the mother? What do you guys think? Ah. Both ways. Who said both ways? Did someone say both ways or am I hearing things though? Okay. Well, Islamically, an orphan, brothers, is someone whose father passed away before puberty. An orphan is someone whose father, a yatim is someone whose father passes away before puberty. And that's important to know. Why? Because the Prophet encouraged us heavily, just like Allah Azza wa first and foremost did, to take care of the orphans. And to support the orphans and the likes, and as soon as they hit the age of puberty, that title of orphan no longer applies to them. So you don't go get a fifty-year-old and say he's an orphan. No, yeah, an orphan is someone. (laughs) An orphan is someone who. Their father died before uh, puberty. And it was narrated from Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And there is some difference of opinion about the authenticity of this narration. Where he said, I learned from the Prophet Wasallam, that there is no orphanhood after reaching the age of puberty. There is no orphanhood after reaching the age of puberty. And Allah Azza wa he says regarding the Prophet ﷺ, أَلَمْ يجدك Did he not find you an orphan and gave you, and then gave you refuge. refuge. And the Prophet wasallam, as we mentioned, according to the most correct opinion, was still in the womb of his mother Aminah when his father passed away. It's mentioned uh, uh, in an authentic Athar, that it was mentioned that به, That his father passed away when his mother was pregnant uh, with him. And Ibn qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, says it's been differed upon regarding the death of his father Abdullah. الله 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 he says it's been differed upon regarding the death of his father Abdullah. Did he die whilst the Prophet sallallahu was still in the womb or after his birth? There are two opinions. The most correct of them is that he was still in the womb. And brothers, you can just imagine, Subhanallah, the hardship here on everyone, the hardship on everyone, on the parents of Abdullah, on the wife of Abdullah, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's mother Amina, on the brothers and the sisters, on the Prophet sallallahu alaihi himself. Yani, it's not easy, Subhanallah. Especially, you can just imagine. And this is subhanAllah to make it a bit related to uh, our day and age. For example, the single mothers. They don't have easy brothers. And also the single fathers. They don't have easy. Some people think single mothers only. No, also single fathers. And likewise, those for example, who are not necessarily dead, but who got divorced. And wallahi, this is one of the most lowly of actions. When a couple gets divorced and one party, whoever it is, whether it's the guy or the girl, the man or the woman, the husband or the wife, the ex meaning, when they get divorced and then they stop the other side from seeing their child, wallahi, one of the most lonely of actions. For the point is I wanted to mention here regarding uh, for example, the single mothers, meaning the single mothers here, their partner passed away and the likes, wallahi, it's not an easy job, yani, and it requires a lot of patience. But Allah Azza wa Jal, if generally he's subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They encouraged us to support the orphan, to help the orphan, to assist the orphan. If that's just generally, then imagine a single mother. Raising this orphan and raising this kid to fear Allah azza wa jal and upon the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nurturing him until he or she becomes a man or a woman. Wallahi, great reward, which really requires though a lot of, a lot of patience. The Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said regarding taking care of an orphan. He says, the one who sponsors an orphan, whether it's a relative or not, if they're an orphan, they're an orphan. The one that sponsors an orphan, he and I will be like these two in Jannah. He and I will be like these two in Jannah. And the virtue of taking care, subhanAllah, of an orphan is great. I can imagine the virtue of taking care of the Prophet. It's mentioned in a Mursal report, and wallahu ta'ala a'la wa'alam, this isn't authentic, يعني, but I wanted just to mention something about Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab, as we know, brothers, as we're going to see insha'Allah ta'ala in detail, was an absolute enemy to the religion of Islam. He was an absolute enemy. To the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it's mentioned that he had a slave Thuwaiba. Thuwaiba was actually the nursing mother of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it's differed upon whether she was a Muslim or not. But the most correct opinion is that she was not. She was not a Muslim. That's what Abu Naim, he says. We don't know. We don't know of anyone who differed upon whether she was a Muslim or not, other than Ibn Manda when he mentioned. Uh, that it's been differed upon. But the correct opinion is Wallahu ta'ala a'la wa'alam She was not a Muslim. But I want to just tell you still this narration, this atha, this uh, whether, whether even though, sorry, it's not authentic. But just to show you, subhanallah, you know, how some of the ulama spoke. Imagine if just taking care of an orphan has that much reward, that much virtue, then imagine the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It's mentioned that Lamma Mata Abu Lahab When Abu Lahab, he died, this is who's saying now Al-Abbas. Al-Abbas was the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. And of course the one who became a Muslim, of course, accepted Islam as we're going to say inshallah in the future. He says, mata Abu Lahab, ra'aytuhu manami ba'da hal, And in one riwayah version, That when Abu Lahab died, I saw him in my dream after a year in the worst of states. The worst of states, this was in a dream, yani. And in one riwaya racha, that I didn't see, this is Abu Lahab now telling or saying, and Al Abbas is hearing this uh, in his dream, yani, once again, so we can't really, uh, uh, you know, uh, ascertain, yani, say 100% this is the truth, because we don't take with this from dreams and one, two, three, and there's rulings pertaining to that. He says, anyway, that I haven't experienced any rest after you. Meaning after dying. This is who Abu Lahab once again. He says, "Illa except أن العذاب يخفف عني كل يوم Except uh, uh, that the punishment lessens, reduces from me every Monday, every Monday. And it came in one narration. إلى النقرة التي تحت ibhami. The point is here. He says, "وذلك." Abu Lahab explains why the punishment reduces from him, reduces from him every Monday, every Monday. He says وَذَٰلِكَ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وُلِدَ يَوْمَ الْإِثْنَيْنِ And that is because the Prophet ﷺ, he was born on a Monday وَكَانَتْ ثُوَيْبَةُ بَشَّرَتْ أَبَى لَهَبْ بِمَوْلِدِهِ فَأَعْتَقَهَا And Thuwayba, she gave Abu Lahab the tidings, the glad tidings that the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was born on a Monday, so he set her free. So that's why it's been mentioned in this Athar came that on a Monday, the punishment lessens and reduces from him. Even though many of the ulama, they said this is not authentic. And it goes actually against, they said, the apparent of the Quran and, and the likes. And I wanted just to mention, brothers, uh, uh, regarding the orphans, subhanallah. And as I said today, inshallah, will be a bit of a, a short lesson. I wanted to mention a topic about uh, uh, the orphans. A lot of people, they think the topic of adoption and adopting orphans and the likes, and they talk about that and they discuss that just for our benefit. Brothers, adoption, adoption at tabani is not like, uh, yani al kafala, it's not like taking care. There's a big difference. Yani, in, in our standards, what's adoption, brothers? Just generally speaking, yani, doesn't need to be a sit there an Oxford Dictionary definition. Yes, pretty much, yeah. yeah. To some, exactly. And, brothers? Your name. Sorry? Your name. Yeah, the name, exactly. Brothers? Mm-hmm. I can't hear, Akhi. Say that again? Provide yeah, provide Okay, all of those really are correct. In the sense that, subhanallah, you see that when it comes to adoption, in Western standards and values or understanding, that this person, as you said, I mean, yani, this person, this kid pretty much becomes your kid. Legally, he takes your name, he one, two, three, and even he actually inherits by law and things like this. He's your adopted child, he's pretty much your child now. Islamically speaking, that's actually forbidden like that, with that understanding. And it's actually a major sin with that understanding, you're not allowed. It's very important to understand between the difference between adoption and taking care. Taking care like supporting financially, emotionally, etc. is okay. And that's something that's advised and recommended. But taking them in as your own son or your own daughter and adopting and legally changing the names and the likes and this person is pretty much being raised now that he is your kid, you're not allowed to do that. And actually it's so serious that there's a lot of rulings that pertain to this for when the kid gets older. Because my brothers for example If you adopted a daughter Let's just say According to the western standards yani, And understanding that we just said So now Yes she's your adopted daughter But it's pretty much like she's your daughter We're talking about if someone did this And this daughter grows up now And she hits puberty She hits puberty So now you've raised her that she's your daughter But she's not your biological daughter For here you're not allowed to see her Without a hijab for example You're not allowed to be in the same room As she's your non-mahram Put it like that for there are very serious rules Very serious rules That apply to these brothers This is why we've got to be very careful And also likewise a son, a kid, a boy Sorry. If now you so-called adopt a boy According once again to The Western understanding and what we're used to Regarding this, you adopt a boy This boy hits puberty If you have, if you have biological daughters for example Or if you've adopted a girl, a girl Now this boy and this girl it's not wallah yeah, they're my adopted the children, their brother and sister. No. They're non-Maharim. They're allowed to marry one another. Likewise, your or your wife is a non mahram to that boy and the likes. And there is a hal, which some of the Mashaykh have mentioned. There's a solution, if you'd like to say. Let let us just say that you do need to, for whatever reason, take this child into custody, etc. They said, Does anybody know a possible solution? They breast mashaAllah, everybody here. <laughs> You guys are ulamah of breastfeeding, Allahumma <laughs> ba Exactly. They said that this the solution here could possibly be breastfeeding. Why I say possibly be breastfeeding? Because obviously there are certain conditions for the breastfeeding uh, uh, to be mu'tabar and to pretty much... Uh, 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 Apply if you'd like to say And one of them is that the kid needs to be Under the age of 2 years old And there is a slight difference of opinion Regarding this matter Some of the ulama They said even if the kid is not 2 years old Even if they're older And they drink from the milk of the lady And here is a very important topic too I think everybody You guys are ulama of breastfeeding anyway I don't need to get into the (laughs) the details. But the point is, someone might say, "But what do you mean? But what if the kid's eight, and nine? It doesn't need to be directly from the breast." Meaning, the lady could express the milk and then into a bottle or something like this. And then, if the kid, even though he's above two years old, for those ulama that were on the opinion that it's not restricted to two years old, for those scholars that said that, they said the breast uh, 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 feeding rules can apply here. And for example, when it comes, let's just say a lady was not breastfeeding. For example, how could she possibly make a kid? A kid, her mahram brothers. Let's just say... Brothers, if you get this, I don't need a speaker. I best because you, you guys really have studied it. Anybody? Very good. Her mom, her sister, etc. Brothers, that's it. You guys, Allahumma, I'm going to take notes. <laughs> so for example, yani, let's just say now. Let's just say now. There was a situation that happened in your life, brothers. And inshallah, uh, I think next week or, the, or next fortnight, the next lesson... All the lesson after that will discuss some of these points about breastfeeding, even though I'm telling you I really need it, inshallah. But we'll still discuss some of these fine points that can, inshallah, be beneficial, especially for those who are recently married or you know, wives being pregnant one, two, three, or going to get married. It's very important points, inshallah, for us to understand because of the uh, uh, rules that apply or come about these topics. But the point is, but exactly like you answered, let's just say, for example, now. You and your wife. Okay, your wife's not pregnant, nor is she breastfeeding. But now a situation happens where maybe a distant family or relative or someone you know very well, something happens to your friend's family, and let's just say there's the baby there. Let us just say, so there's no difference of opinion, that the baby is under two years of age, for example, now. Now you want to take in this child, but you know that there's a difference between adoption and there's a difference between taking care. We said that already. For what do you do now or what can you do? If you have, if you have a relative who is breastfeeding, like the mother... Like the sister, for example, like anything like this, even if you have, for example, a daughter and the likes, here you get them to, well, if it's a baby, obviously, khalas, breastfeed the kid with the conditions, like the amount of times and etc., which inshallah we can discuss very briefly when it comes to it. For here, you get them, and that way, that way. let us say it was the sister, let us say it was the sister who breastfed, what would you be to that then, to, to that child? But it's your sister that breastfed the child. Uh, Her uncle, you will be her uncle here. What about if it was your mother that breastfed the child? Your brother, that would be your brother if it's a boy, the baby through breastfeeding, or if it's a girl, your sister through breastfeeding. And lastly, anyway, brothers, I just wanted to mention, inshallah, to finish off, regarding this whole topic of adoption and the likes. yani. And we said, obviously, according to the understanding, the understanding, the way we have it today, brothers, that they sign the papers and they get the papers ready and one, two, three, and the kid takes the last name, etc., etc. This is all haram. And even when it comes to a kid taking your last name, you're not allowed. And likewise, the wife, and this, a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't know this. It is not permissible for your wife or your wives to take your last name. And some of the ulama they even said, even like logically, so every time, or if you were to die, for example, and she gets married again, she changes her name to that name. What if he does change her name to that name? But the point is, anyway, we talk with the texts and the evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah Azza wa Jalla, He says, call them by their father's names. So it is not permissible by consensus for a person to take the family name of someone who they're actually not attributed to lineage-wise, other than their father. The Prophet ﷺ, pay attention to this. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, whoever calls himself by other than his father's name, and he attributes themselves to someone other than their father, he will be cursed by Allah and the angels and all of the people. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, There is no man who knowingly, intentionally, he knows, he understands, he knowingly attributes himself to someone other than his father, except that he's committed an act of disbelief. And this disbelief isn't one that takes you out of the fold of Islam, but it's the minor, inshallah, which you can come to Thursday night lessons at Auburn to get that explained a bit more. But the point is here, brothers, that a lady is not allowed to take the last name of the father. And if she has, what does she do? Of oh, sorry, the husband. Sorry, if she does, what does she do? She changes it back to the the father's uh, the father's last name. Okay, insha'allah, Ta'ala will leave it at that. Brothers, barakAllahu feekum wa As I said, I know today was a shorter lesson, but insha'allah Ta'ala, I wanted to cut it there just for some of the side points I wanted to mention. But next lesson, insha'allah, we get into the real, real crux of the seerah, beginning with the birth of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the amazing events which occurred at the time of the birth of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam inshallah raising a bit of awareness and sifting through the fabricated and some of the extremely weak narrations and the likes Insha'Allah we'll be discussing this and also the famous event as we know of the splitting of the chest of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Insha'Allah that will most likely all be next lesson and the following lessons after that Wallahu A'la wa A'lam wa Salli wa Sallim wa Barik A'la Muhammad wa A'la Alihi wa Sahbihi wa Man Walah Subh'ana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifoon Wa Salamun Ala Al Mursaleen walhamdulillahi Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Jazakumullahu Khaira